If your business is tired of paying unpredictable and high phone bills, do what I did. Switch to Zoom Calls Cloud Business Phone Service. You'll pay the same low amount every month, no matter how many calls you have in the U.S. and Canada. And Zoom Calls has a really cool feature called voicemail drops. Whenever you reach someone's voicemail, just say hi in their name and then click a couple of buttons on your phone to leave your pre-recorded message. It saves both your voice and your time. Check out zoomcalls.com. That's zoomcalls.com. I think you'll love it. Attention, you're listening to the Todd Huff Radio Show, America's home for conservative, not bitter talk radio. Be advised that the content of this program has been documented to prevent and even cure liberalism, and listening may cause you to lean to the right. Here's your conservative, but not bitter host, Todd Huff. Well, did you see that the state of Georgia, yes, the state of Georgia, is now mandating mandating new sets of rules with this upcoming election, which has already started early voting in the state of Georgia. They have mandated that folks have uh, – that these uh, precincts start early voting by tomorrow, December 30th. So I guess that simply means that the folks that are there to – Determine how many votes are going to need to be flipped this time. We'll know in advance. Kidding, not kidding. I don't know. Who knows what's going on out there, folks? Welcome to the program. I am your host, Todd Huff. Email Todd at ToddHuffShow.com. You can connect with us on Facebook as long as our friends at Facebook allow that to be the case. Todd Huff, or excuse me, Facebook.com slash Todd Huff Show, YouTube, Twitter. And uh, Parlor Todd Huff Show is the social media handle for all of those platforms. I want to start today by talking about something that uh, we've heard rumblings about or discussions about for some time. And I want to specifically talk about um, an art, well, a piece that was written by the Neon Revolt. I think I saw this posted. It was either on. Sydney Powell's Twitter feed. Maybe it was Lynn Woods' Twitter feed. I'm not sure which one. I, want, I think it was Lynn Woods. But I want to go through this and talk about this today. The process by which <clears throat> the President of the United States is selected, and of course, now all this attention is being placed on two places, really. One is the state legislatures, and I want to get to that as well, but I want to, I think I want to start with, with Vice President Pence. So state legislatures have the authority in most of these states. That's the second place of these state legislatures that the attention is now being being focused. State legislatures have the authority to call special sessions to investigate and then determine if they are going to basically re- uh, decertify their official slate of electors and then recertify ones that they believe are correct. And that could be anything. That could be uh, – they could have the investigation, the hearings, and they could say, you know what? There's not enough evidence. Biden is our winner. He won the state of Georgia, Michigan, whatever. Let's have that um, – let's send the Biden electors. Or they could say President Trump clearly won this because there was so much fraud and uh, corruption in this election that this is uh, how we're going to 
remedy this, we're going to send Trump electors because the numbers are there to show that this is fraudulent and that this was stolen from Trump in the state of Michigan or whatever the state is. I'm just – or they can say we don't really know what happened here. Maybe we send – if a state has an even number of electors like Michigan and Georgia have 16, maybe they could send eight of each. I mean any number of things could happen at this point. But that can be constitutionally reclaimed by state legislatures. Now, that that, uh, that creates a bit of a problem. Um, th- there, there's some difficulty in getting these special sessions called, but I want to uh, share with you some information about that a little bit later in the program. I want to start today – I want to start or first off here today with uh, this piece in the Neon Revolt, and I want to – Use it kind of as a springboard to talk about about this. Uh, this Mike Pence, uh, Vice President Mike Pence's involvement in selecting, not selecting, but determining which electors uh, to to count. Right. So we have seven states. Seven states have sent multiple electors. Uh, we'll be sending multiple electors to Trump. You don't get to send two sets and get both sets counted. So um, there's an argument here that Trump – or excuse me, Pence is going to have to – Pence is the vice – or the president of the Senate, right? There's 100 senators. Pence can serve currently through, what, January 20th, noon on January 20th. He can serve as the tie-breaking vote in the Senate. Every time I say this, I'm reminded – of the criticism that Sarah Palin received back in 2000 and what was it, 2008, because she said one of the rules of the vice president was to be president of the Senate, and she got hammered over this. Are you kidding me? She doesn't even know what's going on. Of course that's one of the roles of the vice president is to preside over the Senate, and in case of a tie, to cast a tie-breaking vote. But in this particular instance, the job of the excuse me, vice president or the president of the Senate, which is synonymous, the job of the vice president is to open all this is this is according to the Constitution, folks, is to open all of the um, state's electors, right? The you remember a couple of weeks ago, December, what was it, December 14th, states all around the country were voting. Their electors were voting. They did that in their home states. And so that was just kind of a one step in the process. Those votes were then sent to – there's a process by which these are sent to the, the federal government. They're held, and then they're opened on January 6th by the vice president in the presence of a joint session of Congress. That includes every member of the House of Representatives, every every senator, well, everyone that doesn't have COVID, which there's a whole other potential situation with COVID that I want to – Time permitting, we'll get to. But anyway, so joint session at Congress, Vice President Pence performing his role, his duties as president of the Senate will open up the the votes and he'll count them in the presence of all those sitting there. Now, the question is, what do you do with the states that have sent multiple um, slates of electors in? And those states would be Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Georgia, Arizona, Nevada, or Trump says Nevada, and um, New Mexico. So seven states have done this. 
So some folks say, look, President or Vice President Pence, who's the president of the Senate on that, well, he is all the time, but he's performing duties as president of the Senate. He has the ability to determine which electors to count. And so you may have heard rumblings about this, arguments about this. So let me read this piece here. VP's Rendezvous with Destiny, written by the Neon Revolt. I'll be up front right now. The author writes, I haven't known how to write about anything in long form for a very long time now. This season has been the hardest span of time in recent memory. I know I'm not alone in that sentiment, but it's been exceedingly difficult for me to make heads or tails of anything substantial for a while now beyond following the minutia and day-to-day happenings on Gab. That's a social media app. The 40,000-foot view has been nearly impossible to discern through the fog of war, and with so much silence from those we depend on, it's often felt like we've been flying blind for some time now. I want to chime in here on this because I've shared with uh, some folks close to me of all the time, and I've been doing this program since August 10th of 2015. It started as a podcast, which, by the way, this program is still available as a podcast. And if you haven't subscribed, you ought to look into subscribing because then you can listen to this program whenever you want. You can listen to it while you're working out. While you are, you know, well, when the weather's better, working in the garden, mowing the grass, whatever. Um, but I started August 10th, 2015. Actually, two floors above me now. I'm in the, the basement studio at the, uh, the bunker at the, uh, the Huff household. But two floors above me, we, we, we have the, the bedroom. My wife has a closet in the bedroom. That's where we started in fact, I still remember I was telling someone this the other day, the clothes, her clothes from the closet, because we use it at the time to uh, produce better sound quality. It, it you know, dampened the sound and just made a better environment. It, it absorbed some of the, the echo and so forth. But I remember the clothes being inches from my, from my face as I was practicing podcasting in that closet. Uh, what, five, five and a half years ago now? Gee whiz, time flies. But anyway... So, but if, since since that day, I don't remember a time, I don't remember a time when it's been so challenging to weed through all of the stuff that's before us. I mean, we have sensory overload, information overload, and on top of that, we have an information war that's going on. We have people who deliberately wake up each and every day that call themselves journalists who are nothing more than professional deceivers. They want to deceive you into believing that what you think, what you suspect is not true. In fact, it's it's crazy talk, right? They want you to think that what you see is something you really don't see. They want you to think that this not this this uh, these this call, these calls or these allegations, I should say. These allegations that there was voter fraud is craziness that you probably need to be locked up in some institution to help you overcome your tendency to to following and believing things that are absolutely insane. These folks are professional deceivers, and the vast, vast majority of folks who are in the media fall into that category. There are a couple of journalists left, but there are not many. And by a couple, that's not really hyperbole. 
On top of the professional deceivers, we also have we also have a group of professional sophists, professional pretenders, and those are the folks that we uh, supposedly has, have elected in positions of our of our government. At all levels, we have pretenders. They're there to well, they're there to do a job. The Constitution, whether the federal Constitution or our respective states' constitutions. The constitutions point out what these folks are supposed to be doing. But instead, they've taken this and made this into something altogether get different. In fact, this is their this is their retirement plan. This is their pathway to accumulating power. This is their I guess uh roadmap for personal enrichment. This is what we're dealing with. And so, and again, there are some folks that are still out there that are good, but again, an overwhelming number of people, in my estimation, fall into this category. Now, fortunately, you tuned in at conservative, not bitter talk. I'm not. I'm not. It just is what it is, right? I'm not. I'm not ready to throw in the towel in America. Uh, it's not going to ruin my day. We have to face reality and then try to do something about it. That's why we do this program to persuade. To educate heck to entertain a little bit folks we we try to move the needle towards you know the point the compass back i use the compass to point us back collectively towards the constitution towards those those founding principles and so that's where we that's where we are today so i say all that to say when you put all those factors together and when the radical left sees the finish line right they are two Senate seats away from crossing the finish line where they believe they have the presidency, the House of Representatives, and the Senate. And then Katie bar the door, all bets are off what they're going to do. I mean, everything is on the table. I mean, after, of course, Biden cures cancer, Alzheimer's, and diabetes, which he's going to do any day now if he's sworn into president. I'm, I'm really looking forward to that day when he decides to cure those things. And I guess I guess this is where we fall down and... Uh, you know, fall down on our faces and just praise him for doing these things. But anyway, this is the scenario that we have. And so I point that out as the author said here, there's never, it, it's, there's never been a more challenging time to sift through all this stuff. And I guess I would say to you, I, I appreciate your um, willingness to walk through this, down this path with me. You know, th- these are things I followed my whole life. I studied political science at Butler. In fact, I got my Butler sweatshirt on today. Butler University sweatshirt, Christmas gift. Thanks, Mom, for that. But, you know, we have, um, these are things that, that I've studied, I've followed, you followed. We know a lot about this. But at the same time, this is, this does feel, feel, um, I mean, it's it's tough to stay on top of. I'll be I'll be candid. I found myself spending more time doing show prep, um, more time digging, thinking about stuff, trying to d- determine what I even talk about on here than than usual. Simply because um, there's so many things going on here, so many things vying for our attention. So I want to continue going through this article, Neon Revolt. I'll have. Uh, I'll have Petals post this a little bit later today on Facebook as well. But um, this is something, again, we're going to go through this. This eventually gets into to Pence, 
his responsibility, what's Pence going to do, what's the Constitution say, that sort of stuff. But we'll get to that in due course here as we make our way through the program today. So quick timeout is in order. Sit tight. You're listening to Conservative Not Bitter Talk. I am your host, Todd Huff, back here in just a minute. Welcome back. So going through this piece written at neonrevolt.com. Again, we'll post it a little bit later today on our Facebook page for those that want to read this themselves. But going through this, I want to pick up where we left off last segment. Needless to say, it's been a it's been very easy to get caught up in the mental maelstrom of this past year. The ever-present temptation to overdose on black pills, which have magically made themselves both abundant and free over the past few months, is ever-present. And it's no exaggeration that this dark winter has worn itself very bitter and heavy around the neck of the nation, attempting to grind down what little resolve it seems to have left at this moment in time until we all just capitulate and accept the next 100 years of progressive regimes trampling over our lives, our friends, our families, our communities, and churches before blending us up and extruding us out into some semi-human golem bound to forever serve the will spoken over our lives by our would-be masters. Yikes! That is a heavy, heavy paragraph to, to, uh, to read to you this morning. But he's, he's getting to a point here, so bear with us. Slaves, all of us, living as little more than slaves, exploited for generations to come. Then the ellipses, ellipses dot, 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 2020, another ellipses, has been a thief. All of us have been robbed in some capacity by this year, and we have prepared ourselves, as we prepare ourselves to bid uh, this awful year, year farewell, the unspoken fear among many of us, the one thing no one wants to say for fear of actually damning us all to such a terrible fate, is that nothing will change for the better in 2021. Rather that uh, things will only continue to get worse and that we will need to accept this new life, whatever it is, in this reduced and anemic capacity. January 20th will come and go. Excuse me, will arrive as deliberately chosen the deliberately chosen narrative goes, and the entire Trump administration will be escorted out of the office in shame, probably in handcuffs, kicking and screaming. He doesn't write that, but that's the narrative of the media, not uh, to be remembered as little more than an aberrant detour in the history and the march of history. Excuse me. Meanwhile, cackling leftists will gleam with pride as they invent new ways to actively punish anyone who dared stand in the way of their agenda. Finally, embarking upon the revenge fantasies they've. Let fester in the depths of their hearts since their crushing and humiliating defeat in 2016, seeking to impose suffering upon those who've deemed enemies of progress. They've deemed enemies of, of, of progress in the hopes of finally killing off any of the lingering vestiges of the valiant spirit that previously conquered them, determined to leave those who still possess it in some measure in such a weakened and pathetic state they can never rise up to mount a serious offense offense against them ever again. Again, he's painting the picture of what the narrative um, is and what the Democrats, what the radical left are kind of rubbing their hands in glee about. This is what I mean when, they, when I say they see the finish line. 
They see the finish line. Folks, this, this article is going to take a turn for the better here. Just hang on. He's painting the picture. Before I do that, I want to mention, have you, have you seen, I just saw this this morning. Some, some actor, here it is, Arrested Development star, David Cross. I'm looking at the Daily Wire here. Actor David Cross. Um, this is the headline. Responds to Biden's call for unity. F that, he says. I want blood. <laughs> this is the tolerant left, folks. I'm not going to read any more about this. He tweeted it out on Saturday. In fact, Biden tweeted out, after a year of pain and loss, it's time to unite, heal, and rebuild. Uh, rebuild. To that, David Cross retweets and adds his own caption here that says, F that, I want blood. That's what he says. Vengeance is what they want. They want you to pay. They want you to suffer. You've supported Trump. You believe in the Constitution. They're not going to have any of that. You're going to toe the line. You're going to do what it is that they want you to do. And if you don't, there are going to be consequences, ramifications. You're going to suffer loss. You should suffer tremendous loss because of the pain you have helped inflict upon the American people by the election of Donald J. Trump and his maniacal reign as dictator. This is the narrative, right? This is what they think. This is how they be. I don't know if it's what they think. It's what they feel. It's what they want you to believe that they think is legitimate. Um, of course, it's not. It's it's a walk into the crazy um, mind of the radical left. But anyway, I wanted to point that out as we got to this particular part of the uh, the article as well. So let's go back to this as I pulled the wrong article here. Here we go. Okay. So so that's the picture the neon revolt paints, or and this is what they what they write next. This and this this is this is an important point, and I think it's <laughs> it needs to be absorbed and taken in. This is a very very good point. Again, reading from the Neon Revolt, and yet he writes or they write, she writes. One phrase keeps ringing in my ears like a klaxon, and this is the phrase: "If their victory was assured, their propaganda wouldn't be necessary." I've actually thought about this. I may have mentioned this a time or two on here. Maybe I haven't. But I've thought not those words, but I thought something similar to this. I've thought I, I, I went back in time in my memory, back to 2016, and there was obviously not this degree of uh, a call from you know people believing that this was a fraudulent election. People did believe it was in the sense that Russia tricked people into voting for uh, Trump over Hillary. Right? This was this was the narrative. Russia's Facebook ads tricked tricked people. Boom. People thought, I'm going to vote for Hillary. They walked into the voting booth on the – well, before they got in the booth, they were in the route probably, probably playing Pokemon Go. Pokemon Go ad pops up that says, vote for Trump. And they were hypnotized by this ad because the Russians created it, and they went into that booth not having any control over their mind or the actions that were taken by their, their hands or whatever part of their body actually pressed the button. They couldn't control it. And they pushed the button for Trump or they checked the box for Trump against their will because Russia tricked them. That was the narrative back then. That was the evidence. That's what we had. And we had years of investigations and, you know, 
Senate and, and how well, I guess House hearings and all this nonsense, right, for years. And then we had the impeachment, which was really and uh, Russia 2.0, as far as I'm concerned. It was with Ukraine this time, but it's the same. It was based upon the picture or the, the what I want to say, the, the foundations that were laid by the Russian collusion narrative. Here's Trump doing it again with this time with the leader of of Ukraine. He's trying to steal, collude, and, and steal another election. So let's stop this guy. Let's impeach him. This cannot be allowed to stand. Nancy Pelosi stood up there and told us how heartbroken she was to actually have to impeach the president of the United States. She told us she was praying for the president, this whole thing. So that's what they did. The House impeached the Senate. Now, keep in mind, the pandemic had already started spreading around the world, but they were too busy doing uh, playing these political games. But that's what happened in 16. My whole point is to say, when you compare and contrast, when someone said to me, Trump really isn't the president, you know, Russia stole the election. You know what I said about this because I just said a version of it right now. I would kind of mock it. I wouldn't sit there and say, call him your president. You call him your president? Call him your president-elect. How dare you? How dare you? You're a treasonist. <laughs> you need to be. Did you see this as well? What is it? Um, somebody, Matt Gates. Matt Gates. Oh, boy. I have to dig to find this. Um, they're calling for Matt Gates um, because he's standing up for Trump. Someone is calling for – someone in Florida is calling to uh, disbar him as an attorney because of this. They want to cause punishment to the point of this article, right, to what's been written here in the Neon Revolt. But did you go around – Did you when someone said to you in 2016 Trump didn't win, Russia stole it, did you say you need to be you know, tried for treason – you need to be thrown in prison. You need to be disbarred if you're an attorney. You need to face consequences. I want blood. Did you go around doing that? I don't know of anyone that did that. First of all, it'd be ridiculous and insane to do that. Second of all, it's just uh, it's not probably in the va- I mean, the conservatives I know, in particular the conservative Christians, it's not in our nature. That's not how we think or act and behave and so forth. Maybe it's in our in the flesh, but as you know, as as believers, it's it's not um, it's not something that God leads us by His Spirit to do and how, to act and behave. That's not how we do it. We don't sit there and say, "Call him president, president elect." You better do it. And if you don't, you're a treasonist. And if you don't, I'm going to demand that your credentials be stripped from you, whatever they are. If you're a if you're a PhD like Dr. Jill Biden, we're going to strip the PhD credentials. If you are an attorney like Matt Gates, we're going to disbar you. If you are whatever, whoever you are, there's going to be consequences. We want blood, right? This is what they say. This is how they behave. This is not normal. And to the point here in this article, to the point here in this article, if their victory was assured, their propaganda wouldn't be necessary or – the writer says, perhaps for the Game of Thrones fan in the Trump White House, any man who must say I am king is no true king. It reminds me really quickly. I used to work. I used to work with an. Or, I used to run a nonprofit. I was an, well, an executive director, and I remember having a conversation with somebody. There was a, some stuff happening internally, and there was some 
fighting over who the leader was. And I remember telling someone, this was this has been 15 years ago probably, something like this. I said, if you have to tell someone you're the leader, you're not. Same sort of thing here. If you have to demand so much, call him vice president or call him president-elect. Call Kamala Harris vice president-elect. If you don't, you're colluding with the Russians. Again, you've fallen for their, their games and their tactics and you're actually undermining the Constitution. You're, you're basically someone who's engaging in sedition and treason. This is what this has come to, folks. And they're serious about this. Meanwhile, you and I are saying, wait a second. All we're saying is something fishy went on in this election, something potentially criminal, something potentially fraudulent, something potentially corrupt. It looks that way from the outside. We've got thousands of people who've signed affidavits saying all sorts of nefarious things happened. We're called treasonous, truly treasonous for this. You're not allowed to question the outcome of the election, even though if you have evidence to do so. You know how bizarre and backward this way of thinking is? This is not normal. This is not logical. This is not coherent. But it's what we get when we engage with the radical left. This is, I'm telling you, this is how they quote-unquote think. It's not how they think. It's how they feel. They hate the Trump supporter. They hate Trump. They hate what he stood for. They love their government. Government to the radical left, make make no mistake about this, is their God. Etch this in stone. Write it down. Recite it in the morning. The radical left, to the radical left, government is their God. And they don't want anything to do with anyone who tries to dismantle that, to return it to its you know, form of limited government. They don't want that. They want more and bigger. They want more grandiose promises. That's why they applaud when Biden says he's going to cure cancer and diabetes and Alzheimer's. And let's throw in COVID while we're at it, right? They love this stuff. Yeah, Trump's trying to kill people. Biden's trying to save people. It is so juvenile and infantile, really. But this is what we're up against. Anyway, quick time out is in order. Come back, continue talking about this. I think this article actually stimulates a lot of things, a lot of thoughts, and points out some good things as well, which we'll get to here in just a moment. You're listening to the home of conservative, not better talk. And yes, you are being, you're listening to a broadcast that is coming to you live from the office of the potential future president elect. Of course, no political ambitions here, just. Just pointing out the absurdity of Biden demanding that you call his office the office of the president-elect. Anyway, back here in just a minute. Welcome back. Picking back up where we left off. I'm way off on the time clock today, and that's my fault. Oz... I think she threw up her hands in despair over here earlier because I wouldn't uh, stop. But anyway, picking up here, Neon Revolt, if their victory, they talking about the Democrats here, if their victory was assured, also you could throw the media in, the professional deceivers, the professional pretenders in the world today, pretenders being the politicians, the deceivers being the media. Of course, these terms can also be interchangeable in some, some sense. But if their victory was assured... Their propaganda wouldn't be necessary. Perhaps for the Game of Thrones fan in the Trump White House, any man who must say, I am the king, is no true king. 
And yet we see the proclamations every day often coming directly from the mouth of the bumbling, senile, impotent, treasonous, corrupt beyond compare, pedocrat, who dares peddle the fiction of the non-existent office of the president-elect, not only to our own citizenry, uh, but to the entire world. So... He writes, I'm not going, going to be able to read all this, uh, but you know, basically folks are telling Trump to concede. In fact, I just saw yesterday, was it uh, the New York Post? I think it was the New York Post board, editorial board, basically now urging Trump to concede, 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 concede. He writes here, accept the lie and you can concede for us, not oppose us. Continues to write here at the Neon Revolt. Every day I see more of the of uh, my brethren fall into despair. It's easy to fight when you're well fed, well armed, and have overwhelming numbers and resources. Far harder to fight when you're being demonized on multiple fronts, when the money's run out, and you feel you haven't the strength to go on. That's what 2020 has been about. Our enemies plotted to steal and rob and destroy everything in order to bring us and our children to our knees to control our future to uh, demand we bow down before their throne, forgetting that the spirit, um, lost my place here, forgetting that the spirit of Thermopylae still animates some of us, those of us who will never back down no matter the cost. So he writes here, he's saying, look, this is, this is what we're up against, right? This is the scenario. You have the left, you have the, the disheartened conservative Republican. You have the left basically gleefully uh, taunting. <laughs> the, they are. They're taunting us, which entertains me. But um, they're taunting us, mocking us. And – but he says, look and, – and this is I think what a lot of people are saying now as well, something similar here. We have – there is another – opportunity for something to be done about this right we've seen the i mean the courts have ignored this largely they've not even heard the case and the evidence more or less it's a pretty fair summation um the state legislatures either are being prevented from meeting because they don't have two-thirds some of these folks have to, I, I can't go into all of it but some of the states in question have to have two-thirds supermajorities to call a special session um some one of the states michigan the governor has to call it so there's some some details there that need to be uh, at least acknowledged so it's left up to the process i mean i suppose the state legislature there's some some process or some some headway being made there in the state legislatures but this is going to come down to president to vice president pence who is the president of the Senate. And so that's where this this article leads us. What do you what's the vice president going to do? And I want to paint that picture, go through that when we get back. So sit tight. We'll be back and continue that conversation here in just a minute. through this article in the Neon Revolt today and talking about um, 
just this this perspective that's and the sentiments that are shared by a lot of folks. I think that the and again I'll have um, pause will post this. Excuse me, pedals will post this on Facebook or wherever else on social media later today. But basically, their author here is 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 setting all this up to say, Pre- Vice President Pence, you're in a unique position according to the Constitution. Of course, this is the argument. There's some disagreement about this, but the argument is the Vice President of the Senate is the sole determiner of who of which votes count, and so. You know, he's he's appealing in a sense to Vice President Pence in the latter half of this, and a lot of folks are doing this. You have the authority here. Why would you count electors that um, have been questionably assigned or determined or whatever the case may be? That's clearly the case, folks. Now, that you can say this without even saying that President Trump won, that Biden stole the election. But some of these states, you look at how close certain states like Georgia, like Wisconsin, um, Pennsylvania to an extent too. Michigan's a larger a larger deficit. Arizona, when you look at that and when you look at the evidence just of what we've seen presented, which is, there's an overwhelming amount. In fact, maybe there's, that's something else I should – should share. There's some sites out there that, that really um, have done a lot of work in kind of – pulling this evidence together and, and presenting it. Um, but Vice President Pence is in a position, and he at the Neon Revolt um, says this, I want you to understand, writing to the Vice President, you come from a line of giant slayers, referencing Mike Pence's faith, Mr. Vice President, and it's not by virtue of any superior quality which you may or may not possess inside yourself. It's by virtue of the call in your life and the one, capital O, backing you. For the past four years, President Trump has been the most powerful man on earth. On that, For one day on January 6th, you, Vice President Pence, will be the most powerful man on earth. So what's going to happen? Is Vice President Pence going to... Go with what was certified. Is Vice President Pence going to look at this and say, "I can't. I'm not going to determine which set of electors to count, and and not count, you know, from some states either set? Will he count the Trump electors? Is this going to be an issue or not? I don't know. I mean, at, at this point, you know, we we keep we keep hearing that just wait for this, wait for that. I, I understand the frustration and the uncertainty, but. This is where we stand. The vice president, at least according to, to many, or at least some, I think many, he has the authority to do this. We'll see what happens here. That date is January 6th, and I've got to take a break. Sit tight. Back here to wrap up in just a minute. That's all the time that I have today. But I will say this in the concluding uh, moments here today. What – I mean truth matters, right? People keep saying that the Republicans, uh, Trump, conservatives want to overturn the will of the people, overturn the election results. That's simply not an accurate depiction of what's going on. We want the correct election results to be calculated and tabulated and voted upon by the electors 
and that's what we have to make sure happens and so that's why this pressure and so forth is being placed on pence i gotta go thanks for listening sdgc tomorrow take care